0: Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Neither one of us made it to the game this week. We are both sick. You can hear – he's <laughs> coughing through the intro. I'm talking through my nose. I don't really know what's going on. This welcome. Is, I mean, <laughs> the last
1: time I wasn't sick, the Giants were a good football team. It's been that long now. It's ridiculous. Got to get better.
0: Well, well, welcome to 2024. This is what Just Giants <laughs> sounds like it, in January 2nd. Um, uh, giants and rams interesting game you know you thought you were going to kind of sleep on a flight through this game were you wrong
1: uh no i was uh i was i watched the game on the flight um landed early fourth quarter and it was kind of like i think i texted you when i got off the plane i'm like i'm not gonna do the walk and watch you know when you have your phone out and you're just kind of walking and banging into people in the concourse and stuff i was like eh. I'll, I'll watch the end of this when I get home. It doesn't really mean anything anymore. And I think three minutes later, you're like, oh, will a punt return for a touchdown change your mind? And that was it. Told Cranky Wife, hey, there's a bar. Let's go watch the end of this game somewhere. So <laughs> um, I was more engaged than I probably should be in early January for a team that's going nowhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, the implications from this game didn't have anything good happening for us if we won other than emotions. Um, Nevertheless, though, I think the overall feeling here, and, and this is something we're going to get into, uh, I didn't think this game was going to be particularly close. You didn't think this game was going to be particularly close. The announcers, I mean, they had their. I'm not. This isn't me venting. I, I know I bitch about broadcasts and announcers a lot. Um, they had their their agenda though. You have one team who is out. You have one team that is on a winning streak that is making a playoff push. You have your notes on one team and one team only. So they came in there with a, Matt Stafford is red hot. No, he's white hot. And <clears throat> and they have all these notes on Kyron Williams and, and Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. And they're ready to talk all about Aaron Donald and all this stuff. Giants didn't really make that easy. Uh, Matt Stafford did not look white hot. He airmailed two interceptions. He missed quite a few guys. Uh, he was under pressure a lot, got sacked a couple times. Um, Puka Nakua looked con, continued to look pretty good, but he didn't look. Uh, it, didn't it's, hard it, it's hard to say. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to say he didn't look dominant, but we me made him look a little bit better than he was. Um, you know, this was not a runaway game, and it should have been.
1: Let's start with um, Matt Stafford for a minute, because I feel even going back to the Georgia days that when you watch a Georgia game or you watch a Lion game or even watch a Ram game. It's like, what game are you watching? I've never, I've always thought he was a, a decent quarterback, not a great quarterback, but they slob his knob for almost 20 years now, and I just don't, I've never saw it with Matt Stafford. So when you come in white hot, relax, not white hot. You I mean just you're ratching it up a little bit too much for the uh, the kiss assiness for him. So they're, uh, you know, they're. And also the other thing is uh, the Sean McBay angle. I don't know if they mentioned it in the broadcast because in the beginning my headphones weren't working. But there's a, there was this uh, uh, narrative going on is because he hates the Giants because they fired his grandfather like 50 years ago as head coach, and he, they were going to run up the score because of that. And I I, I I just find you know these little these stories silly that uh, you know talking about.
0: I gotta tell you, I don't really even know that much about my grandfather. I wouldn't hold that Here's much. He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, honestly, girl, no, I, I, I'm I'm joking. I'm just saying. In terms of his work life, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I knew for a brief period of time he was an elevator operator and he got fired. Um, I don't know which building, but goddamn, if I find out, I That's will so run up the score against that company, that a holding go company that owns way it. Way off
1: the rails right now because my grandfather worked at the same building and. Operate the same elevators that your grandfather did, and my grandfather did get fired. So I have that on. That is cranky fan one football Grub zero.
0: So the the story I actually got, and I don't know if this is true because my mother was young at the time. This is so stupid, by the way, that we're talking mm-hmm. about. But the story was, I think he got that lives. job. He got that job like a, 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 and like an emergency, and didn't really know what he was doing, and like crashed the elevators or something, and <laughs> just got fired. Or I don't even know if he got fired. or If he just went home you know it was just like an understood thing like i'm so sorry thanks for giving me a shot (laughs) you know
1: ladies and gentlemen that is our family
0: (laughs) well you know now we just push buttons on elevators (laughs) we don't need an operator anyway um look getting to this game the rams were not able to run up the score they were barely barely able to escape with with a victory here um and that's going to go to a larger point later but matt stafford um matt stafford At this point in his career is uh, not who he should have been. It's a little – it's a little sad. I I think that injuries and his uh, gamer mentality have kind of robbed him of matching prime athleticism, health, and – football IQ to the exact same and then whatever it, it is what it is but he does some things incredibly well like really 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 well and one of them is manipulating defenses with his eyes he might be one of the best in the league current he he probably is the best in the league currently at that for a while he was definitely like a top 5 guy with with just being able to move defenses he, he was a no-look passer guy before Patrick Mahomes wasn't he yes he was um I think his biggest problem was always that he's his ability has made him the put the game on my shoulders guy, and occasionally he would screw that up. You know what I mean? Like you
1: trust your you trust your abilities too much. You trust your arm too much, and you th- you try to make plays that just don't work as you think you can.
0: And and honestly, it <laughs> works for him about fifty percent of the time. So I would think that it's probably being told not to be coached out of him. You know what I mean? It's probably just part of who he is. I, I think that Matt Stafford is, um, at this level, one of the best quarterbacks—at uh, this year, 2023, I would say he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league playing. Like, if you were to have a, a, a draft of building a, a team right now based out of only NFL players, he would be in the first five quarterbacks you pick?
1: Uh, active, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so if we did the January or what was it January 1st, 32 starting quarterbacks, absolutely.
0: Um, I, I, I thought the defense looked pretty awful on the first two drives of this game. They got marched up and down the field on the first drive and they sort of lucked out on. And I don't want to say lucked out. I don't want to take I don't want to take anything away from the defense because they played without Deontay Banks today or Sunday. So that's that's not nothing, and they did a great job against a great team. Um, They they were able to have two really close plays that were called catches on the field overturned because they were on challenges. That's how they escaped the first drive. The second drive, they marched right down the field for a touchdown. After that, the defense really didn't have any egregious mistakes. The Kyron Williams uh, run for a touchdown was, I wouldn't say egregious, but I think it's just something that's bound to happen eventually in a game. Um, Defensively, this was incredible. I was really into this game. And Jason Pinnock got hurt and had to leave. Dane Belton came in there. It was almost like addition by subtraction.
1: (laughs) He's amazing. He just always seems to be around the ball and always making plays. And uh, that's an unquantifiable thing in a football player is being a gamer, being able to, you know, how many times have we seen uh, a cornerback drop a sure interception and we do the cliche the well if he could catch he'd be a a wide receiver exactly he doesn't drop him he catches him he makes the play that's something you said for that
0: yeah and and what's funny is I was on the talking Giants draft night uh, live event when he was drafted and and none of us had done work on him and so we're looking at like his Iowa Hawkeye film while the draft is going on we're we're watching it's just like He's got all these interceptions. He's not doing anything crazy. He's just in the right place at the right time. He's just a natural ball hawk, and that has not changed. Yeah. Um. Did you have any other notes on the defense?
1: No, like you said, on those first two drives, I was starting to get that sense of the, uh-oh, we're finally mailing it in type of thing. But, right. uh, you know, no, I i I. I give credit to this coaching staff for keeping this team engaged and trying to win. Uh, you know, you're playing a team that is "quote unquote" white hot—a team that's better than us. They should be beating us, and to keep it to the last minute is—I—I I, I think it's—it says something for the culture that's being built here. If we don't have the talent on the field, you know, at least building blocks are being made for you know the future of this team.
0: Man, I, I know that's not something Giants fans want to hear is like that, that, that all of this means something uh, and that, you know, but, but I'm not saying momentum into next year and I know you're not saying that either. It's nope. just the fact that the, the, the heads are still in it. This is not off the rails. We have yet to have a Joe Judge 12-minute press conference res- response, you know.
1: Every single moment of every single practice matters, whether it's for the next game the opponent after, next year for your development. And the faster a season is over in players' heads and they check out, you have wasted practice time. You hear this thing all the time in college. I don't even care about being in the bowl game. I just want the 10 extra practices. I want my team to develop. It doesn't matter about that game coming up. It's about development for next year. And as long as this team stays engaged, they are still going to be running their drills on Tuesday and Wednesday at full speed. They are still preparing they're still you know ingraining what the process is to play to prepare to be successful so that's the little things that i look for and when i see at least effort and i see a team that doesn't look like they quit that means that they're still preparing during the week for that and that's going to benefit this team at some point all 53 guys no people will be gone but again this is the way we do things We like to talk about the giant way but we're trying to develop the giant way now so It's little things like that. In a season where there's really nothing to get excited about, we're not putting any banners at MetLife Stadium for this year. We just need something we can take that can be a positive.
0: Yeah, but I do think that it's a common thing, especially when there's a a news story that will not go away about the coaching – the major uh, two coaches being at odds – the fact sure. that that the entirety of the 53-man roster is all in it together is is important. Sure. Um, on offense, something I want to talk about first is Tyree Phillips suffered a really badly torn quad. And I say really badly because I don't know the difference between an easy one and a not-so-easy one. But that man looked like he was in serious pain. My question to you. Do you think... That had anything to do with the injury he suffered earlier in the game to his leg. I don't even know if it's the same leg, but I don't think it matters.
1: I'm not a doctor, but you know anything is possible. I yeah. mean, you know, you start favoring something, you start, you know, you know anything. It, sure, it, it's very, very possible. So I think I know where you're going with this. Is this another question about how we're diagnosing injuries on this team and how oh, we're I, handling injuries?
0: I, I, yeah, and no, I'm not. I'm not necessarily putting the blame on any one person in particular. I'm not saying the medical staff, the strength and conditioning people, or, or Brian Dable, but. Did I say that either? I, no, I, I, want, I want to preface that because everybody, first of all, I'm I'm not a sports science expert. I wouldn't know. And I would be very stupid to sit here and talk about another man's actual profession where he makes, I'm sure, uh, quintuple that I do, doing what I it is I'm talking, talking about. Book to do something to learn about something yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, far be it for me to say that. However, I do think that this is another one that you can put in the category of dubious health decisions mid-game. I I think that even if it is the other leg, like you said, favoring – like it's a very common way to have the worst injury is to be trying to do active things while you're injured and compensating for it. So – a lot of times if you know your left leg hurts and you're doing a lot more work with your right leg, that's how you royally fuck up your right leg. So even that's if it is the other leg, I, I do think that it could be related.
1: Sure, I've done that scheme. I favored one leg because the right leg is tired and I hurt the left leg. So yeah.
0: Um, otherwise, the offense was able to perform, I would say, functionally, uh, pr- pretty decently. Considering that we cannot block the middle of a defense and they have Aaron Donald, um, we were able to move the ball. We looked like a functioning NFL team. We had some deep balls. Great deep shot. One of the Tyrod actually started this game looking pretty pretty solid uh, to the point where I was like, I feel comfortable tweeting this. That was stupid. But um, you know, the 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 deep shot to Slayton was absolutely beautiful if you notice we had five man protection a six man protection on that and there was an actual perfect pocket where he didn't have to do anything except go into his drop and then launch but nevertheless i'm not going to take anything away however tyrod was incredibly bad in this game overall uh the the little things that he screwed up on i would say were the difference between winning this game and losing it
1: there's Two types of backup quarterbacks in this league. There are backups or guys who just never will be a starter ever, ever, ever in this league. You know, they're going to be on a roster for 10 years because they're smart, because they can, you know, understand a playbook, but they're never going to play. And then there's backups like Tyrod Taylor that physically could be a starting quarterback, but just can't put a game together to be like trust enough that he'll be your starting quarterback. And that's what Tyrod Taylor is. He can make plays you, – you, it's obvious comparing him to um, Tommy DeVito that you have to respect a passing game with Tyrod Taylor. The problem is that every time it's a clutch moment, every time where you need him to make a play, he fails miserably. Whether it's mentally, like making a poor decision, or physically just short-arming a, a, a sure two-point conversion, he just – Fails And it's it's frustrating because you see the athletic skill. I mean, even he's in an advanced age now, but he's just not a starting quarterback. And he's just not a consistent enough backup quarterback where you feel completely comfortable. And that's what's frustrating about him.
0: In this game, I counted eight horrible throws. One to Eric Gray that was like at his ankles. He still managed to catch. One to Darren Waller, where he was wide open moving across the field. It was thrown behind him. He had to turn all the way around and stop his forward progress to make the catch. He had Saquon Barkley on a wheel route to the end zone. He threw back shoulder instead. Um, Obviously, you already mentioned the Saquon Barkley two-point conversion. That is the number one, you know, that's the poster child for Tyrod ruining this game for us. He had Isaiah Hodgins for a touchdown. He threw it behind him. He had Hodgins again later. He threw it behind him. He had Jalen Hyatt on fourth down. He threw it behind him and I'm not saying that's 100% his fault but it was behind him. It didn't help. He had Darren Waller later in the game. He missed him on. He fumbled a snap on fourth down. He had a stupid interception that, I th- that was on the plus side of the field that everyone forgets about because the Rams fumbled just two plays later. Tyrod was bad in this game. Overall he made the plays that Needed to be made to keep us in this but he had not just one I, I hate shitting on a backup quarterback who makes a mental error that ruins the game where you're just like okay so you were telling me that you were in it with a backup quarterback that sounds like he played pretty well and he did a backup quarterback thing this is like 12 things that he screwed up in this game Okay, I, I I fully support exactly what you said. Tyrod Taylor is a guy who for a couple of series can get things right. He can't make it through a game without making a huge boneheaded play. And this is just who he is. I, I also want to mention that before the half, he went on a scramble and got crunched. And it looked like he wasn't going to get up. He started grabbing his lower back. And I was at that moment, I was like, How is this just like the easiest thing to predict? How could it possibly be this easy?
1: We've been saying it since we got him that the guy does not put the needs of the team over his own ambitions first. You know, he's going to try to get the extra yard because he wants to show he can do it. But when you're a backup in this league, your job is to stay in the game. That one extra yard isn't as important as having to dip down to a Tommy DeVito or to whatever schmuck you have on the bench after him.
0: And that's not even mentioning how awkward he looked in the pocket in this game. Yeah. He, he, I mean, you've said that since Jump Street that you think that he may not be have. He has the right timing, kind of, sorta. It's it's not that he's got. He just looks awkward. He looks panicked. He doesn't look. He doesn't look fluid. He doesn't look natural.
1: He he always used to turn the wrong way. Yeah. That first run when he was playing was like, why is he turning to his left and throwing across his body for things? It just
0: looked awkward. This game, it looked like he just misjudged his own talent a lot. Like, he, he would think he was escaping something and get tripped up, like, behind the line of scrimmage for, like, eight-yard losses and shit, or just not really navigating the puck. Po- this, this, I would say, was uncharacteristically worse pocket game from Tyrod than normal. Let me ask you
1: two questions related to this. Do you think he's 100% healthy or significantly less than healthy? Because remember, we had this debate a couple weeks ago, whether it was Tyrod or uh, Tommy DeVito. It's like just because he's cleared to play doesn't mean he's 100% good to go. Do you think part of that might be he's just, you know, 75% Tyrod Taylor is not, you know, except he's not good enough to play on that level. And, you know, the fact that they made the quarterback switch now, we're late in the season – you know, practice time isn't, you know, optimal. He's just not prepared to play at this point.
0: No, I'm not going to say that. Um, I, uh, So here, here's what I'll say. It's week 17 of our first ever, or second second ever 18-week season. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nobody is 100%, right? Uh-huh. So, he's also coming back from a pretty
1: significant
0: injury. Well, so the the injury he's coming back from is four broken ribs. Um, And the case I was making was that he might be cleared to play but probably not worth putting out on the field just yet. And that's why it's smartest to put DeVito out there at that time. Especially if if he takes another really bad hit, he'll be down and we'll be right back where we were. We've got a guy with no reps playing. So at that time, that made sense. If he can launch an 80-yard bomb to Darius Slayton perfectly, I have to think that his ribs are okay. You know, that specific injury, I have to think that his ribs are okay. I don't – he's certainly not 100%. I don't – I think he's probably operating at like 80%, you think?
1: I'm trying to give him benefit of the doubt too.
0: Me too. I'm trying to give you an honest answer though. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I I think he's probably kind of hurt and I I think that also when it's week 17, every time you take kind of an awkward shot, it's going to be a – a deep breath before you pull yourself off the pavement kind of thing but I uh, also how old is he now? he's not young he's
1: 12, 13 uh, year in the league
0: yeah so I mean there's also the fact that he's 30 whatever and taking these shots you know
1: Tyrod Taylor is 34 he's older than I thought
0: yeah so um that being said you know for all the the, the last like Ten minutes of us shitting all over him. He did play well enough to put us in the, in this game, um, but I, I guess our biggest star is Saquon Barkley. You kind of thought maybe, I don't know. What did you think of Saquon Barkley in this game?
1: I gave him a fart, and my reason being, and this is going to probably trump, you know, take us off to a bigger discussion and probably a bigger discussion is just, I really think it is time we had an honest. Assessment and evaluation of what Saquon Barkley is today. What is Saquon Barkley for this team next year? You know, I don't want to get into the contract talk just yet because that's an easy hot take uh, sports radio argument for tomorrow. Do we resign him or not? That's not the question right now. The question is, what is Saquon Barkley? Is Saquon Barkley still an elite running back in this league? Is Saquon Barkley the guy that you know is a threat as much receiving the ball as he is catching the ball? Is it a guy, you know, are we ready as a team if to have Saquon Barkley be the guy, be the elite guy? Because you know, this team has a lot of offensive line issues they're gonna have to resolve, which will not all be fixed next year. And, you know, if he's back on this team, you know are we ready to have someone with the talents that he still has if we decide he still has those talents still so i want to get into a little Saquon Barkley discussion before not talk about contract not if we're going to bring him back none of that just what is Saquon Barkley in January of 2024 and what is a reasonable expectation for him going a little forward
0: i think that i think that Saquon is still um a, a big-time playmaker that can make even some of the best athletes miss. I think that's still who he is a little bit. Um, I think that something he never was was somebody who was going to be able to make up for a complete lack of blocking. Uh, he was a guy who can make a guy miss. He could make a guy miss in the open field, in the hole, etc., But he was never going to be a guy that was going to make six guys behind the line of scrimmage miss, nor was he a guy that was going to be able to put his head down and churn between the guards and hammer out one really hard fought yard. And I think that I think that some people, and not just like fans, I mean like some people in the front office at some times with the Giants thought that a running back is a running back and that he will be able to do some of those things and that he's going to be... They didn't treat him like what he was to begin with. I I think that he was never that guy. Um, That being said, he is not nearly as dynamic as he used to be. He's had significant injuries. He's gotten older. um, He's changed his body weight and type as the coaching staffs have asked him to do different things. And to look back at this point and look at anything from before 2020, and, and and think that we have a lot of that, I think might be silly at this point. But he's not garbage. He's not worthless. I just think that his his best role is probably to be used less between the tackles than they've used him, and less, you know, every down, and more so. I I don't know. Uh, More more so in the receiving game. Like, I know that we say this every single fucking year, and it's frustrating for me, too, because I think that we want to use them that way. And then every year that we're bad... We have to like do this thing where it's like, well, Saquon's our best player. It's time to put the ball in his hands. And then we try to make him into this between-the-tackles runner every year. That he, Every yeah. year that this team is bad, that seems to be the movement. <laughs> and it, it leads us to this conversation of who he is as a running back. He was never that running back. He was never that running back. So yeah. uh, I, I think He's that big, the whole like conversation is Pete so Martin, muddy. Yeah. really is. Yeah. I
1: mean, if, if you look at like, like his receiving stats this year – You know, he's got 39 catches on 58 targets, and he only has 229 yards. So, and the long is 32 yards. So, it's like he's not this dynamic playmaker from catching out of the backfield where I think people feel like, well, get the ball in his hands any way possible. Something major is going to happen. It's,
0: but, but, it's okay. It's not that, that, that's a very, honest and correct assessment but it's also part of the reason part of the way that they're using him out of the backfield throwing him into the flat and putting him into screens is essentially an extension of the running game versus having him on like angle routes where you're putting him one-on-one with a middle linebacker that's where you really get to see Saquon be Saquon if you put him behind out on the edge catching the, the ball in the flat with two wide receivers one of them being Wandale Robinson trying to block in front of him you're probably going to get a lot of the same of what you would be just giving him the ball.
1: Well, now we're now we're getting into the second part of this conversation is the it's if the if the result of him having kind of pedestrian numbers or pedestrian impact on a game is it caused primarily because of the offensive line around him or the scheme we're doing, you know, what we, what's reasonable to expect going forward and is he really what we need on this team and is it worth it? You know, again, because next year we're not all of a sudden going to have four new offensive linemen. It's not all of a sudden going to have all day for him to run behind, you know, big gaping holes or time to have maybe one of those little routes you were just talking about. It's probably not going to be there still. So it's become, you know, is he just unfortunately the victim of a circumstance of with this team or, you know, is it because of the injuries that he just can't? Because you made a good point earlier. It might have been before we started recording. It's. When he has the opportunity, he's making Saquon plays. We're just not seeing that opportunity that much here. And it's, it sounds like it's a bigger problem than just him.
0: It certainly is. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the easy answer is he, the injuries and time have robbed him of what he who he used to be. But um, why we're not seeing Saquon be anything remotely close to Saquon is because the team is bad, specifically the offensive line. But – I would make the argument that where he is now is in need of compliment. Uh, I I, I think that he needs someone to – they don't need someone to come in and spell him. They need someone to play patty cake with. You know what I mean? Just someone to sub out, run different roles. Uh, You know, we've seen what Barkley looks like running between the tackles when we're trying to close out a game sometimes. We're – more so last year than this year when we're actually winning. But – you know, those games, we were playing and we're just like, you know what? We're up by six points. There's only a couple minutes left. And then we would just run duo. And you could see him just chew up seven-yard gains. That—
1: You two first downs and win the game right now.
0: Yeah. Do it. If he had somebody who could wear down a defense, be a hammer between the tackles— This is just my theory— I think that that is what opens up Saquon in this day and age, right? With who he is now in his age and post-injuries, I think if he had someone to soften up a defense throughout the first couple quarters and really just batter them down, and if you get a lead too, you let him catch passes and do dynamic stuff. Then come that fourth quarter, you let him just run all over a team and let him collect his yards then. I I I think that's probably the most effective way to use Barkley going forward.
1: Because if you look at like even like his attempts this year per game, they're not extraordinarily high. You know, I'm going to work backwards from this game: 12 carries, 23, 9, 20, 12, 14, 13, 16. The jet game was 36. That was crazy. You know, 21, 24, 17, 12. That's not heavy, heavy usage. That's
0: in terms of running. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then even like targets we're looking at: six, six, two, four, three, five, three, four, five, four, five, seven, four. You know. It's it, we're not putting heavy, heavy, heavy miles on the guy that he should be. You know, I think for that that you know utopian view of having that battering ram to kind of complement him, I think this usage would be perfect for him. It's just we don't have that. It's that's it.
0: Yeah. What's frustrating is we continue to put him in and and run him on short yarded situations. Third and one. What do we do? Hand to Barkley. It's so bad when it happens. To... Yeah.
1: We all know it's not going to work.
0: Yeah. I I'm I'm in favor. Uh, you know, I, I, this is this is going to be the conversation more of the off season. So I don't want to spend too much time on this. But as of right now, you know, with the whatever the money might be, I, I would I would like to get him back and pair him with somebody. I think that's actually how you use him best. Um I'm hoping that that's what they end up doing is in, in when they uh, shape this team for next year, that they, they get somebody to compliment him. They fix the offensive line a little bit and they let him do things that he's good at rather than make him do everything. I think that's probably the best way to make Saquon. Saquon. The
1: way I look at it is last year could have been the year where they said opening up the bank for you. They're certainly not doing it this year with another you know year of, Miles on the tires and all this other stuff. So as, as long as it makes sense that they are not going to be paying for years of you know dead cap situation where it's not – I'm all for bringing him back. But it just has to be something that has to be completely team-friendly. I'm more worried about years and guaranteed years than I am worrying about money at this point.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with you because on a certain level I'm in favor of doing a multi-year deal because I think it lowers what his asking price is, right? Like a 1-year yeah. deal he's going to want as much as possible A for security and B because it's all the money he's going to get. If you can right. be like, look, it's going to be $12 million over 3 years, okay? I I can I can 3 years is a long time. I don't love 3 years, but if it's that amount of money, then we're looking at that third year. He's probably not going to be here. It's going to be something like $4 million that we're on the hook for. That's not the end of the world. I can live with that. So I I think you and I feel very similarly on where we are with what we want out of Barkley.
1: I I just also have just reasonable expectations going forward that I don't, in my head, I don't have a superstar running back anymore. I have a, a running back who can be very valuable on this team, but I don't feel like at every run, this is going 80 yards or if this is going to change the game. And I, I just when you recalibrate your expectations, I think that makes you a more saner fan than, than being frustrated by. Oh, God, you Bart- your Saquon Barkley. Come on. I, I'm past that at this point now. So let's let's see where we can use it to maximize his value and his, you know, helpfulness for the team
0: and that's kind of like where we're at it's it's sort of funny we're in the groove of this you know we're talking about the end of the year or whatever but this is the end of the year so this is our second to last review episode after next week's review episode we're gonna have our season wrap up which we're gonna have a very special guest on for i'm really excited for that by the way yeah um and uh but but then after that it's just off-season talk
1: you know something? And this season has been very emotionally draining. There's had so many different – I mean, think about the storylines we talked about in September, you know, and starting, bang, fucking opening night with, you know, Andrew Thomas gets hurt. So we completely embarrassed by the, the Cowboys. All the, you know, stuff happens and everything. I don't want to go through all this now, but, you know, all the ups and downs on this team. And this feels like it's been three seasons. And I, I'm ready for it to end and start being optimistic and thinking about how is this con- – the rebuild continue. Um, I'm looking – this weekend, um, there's a potential snowstorm. I know Grump is still feeling sick. I'm still feeling sick. We may or may not be at the game. But this is it. And, uh, you know, I'm ready to get started talking about next Monday morning. And we'll, let's – you know how we usually break down this, like what's the current roster? You know, what we look at salary cap. We look at all these different things. So I'm really looking forward to that this year because as much as this team has struggled and disappointed this year, there is a foundation. And I don't think it's that that much to take this team from being, you know, we might be the second pick in the draft to looking at the playoffs. I think if we're smart, we use our assets, we use our draft class well, we use free agency well. I think we can. This is not a five-year rebuild still. So I'm, I am kind of cautiously optimistic about that. This was a setback for things beyond our control, but let's let's just get through this week, get through, you know, seeing those stupid friggin' Philly uh, fans in the stadium and move on.
0: I, you look back on this year and it's a nightmare, right? You, you said it's, it's lasted like three seasons. I think I had to get a colonoscopy halfway through this season just because I felt like I was getting old. Like, it was taking too long. So the, I thought you were
1: going somewhere else with that. No, no,
0: no, no. Um, but What's what's really wild is I look at all of the close games that we, we attended, we watched, you know, we had the Bills game, Jets game, this game. There were so many games that we said the same shit every single week afterwards. It was like the heads are still in it. They haven't lost the locker room. If they had had at the beginning of the year an average worse than Daniel Jones but better than Tyrod Taylor, quarterback, for the whole year, steady Baker and makes healthy, sure. shh, yeah, I don't want to name names because I that's that's where we get ripped apart because whatever whatever whatever. But but sure, a Baker Mayfield type I think this team makes a playoff push with like 9 wins. The the way that they were coached throughout this whole year, they were in games they did not deserve to be in. Tommy DeVito was winning games makes no fucking yeah. sense.
1: He won 3 games in a row.
0: Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. This is this is the coaching staff. So this this whole like overarching thing about which coach is staying, I want them to stay, please stay. What you guys did between Brian Dable and Wake Martindale, what they were able to create this year, despite everything, has been pretty incredible. It doesn't look incredible, and I would never make a portfolio and show somebody look at this incredible work. But goddamn did they put up a fighting chance they made chicken with salad with on
1: garbage shit. and if you don't like chicken salad, that's what it kind of is. but they took the worst situation possible and made it it made it so maybe these games don't mean anything anymore but at least was that game yesterday was watchable. That game was and fun. We, yeah I mean how many times how many times have we had games like remember the uh, the game when Wednesday got fired with the uh, the quarterback sneak that was unwatchable garbage. That I was mean,
0: unwatchable garbage. We
1: were watching we were at that bar watching that Chicago game a couple of years ago. And it was just unwatchable.
0: I don't even remember it.
1: I was excited when there was a commercial. It was that bad. <laughs> but at least this was kind of like, oh, I, I'm in the middle of JFK Airport where I said I'm not going to bother. i got to find a TV and watch how this is going to end. That's saying something for a team that's you know, nowhere near the playoffs and you know, is still rebuilding. So It
0: is currently has a shot to get the number two overall pick if the right things happen. Which, by the way, for, for every asshole that needed to scream at children enjoying games, just understand that despite all of that, there is still a pathway for them to pick number two overall. So you guys are children, okay? Yeah. That's Just throwing that out there. That's just laughable human behavior. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we're at with this season. I, I'm excited for the offseason. I'm excited for next week. I'm excited for our special guest, uh, somebody, somebody important to us, so...
1: You know what I'm really excited about? If you look on the YouTube, my man here, the football grump, has made a pretty amazing video. It's about an hour long. It talks about a topic that I know is pretty near and dear to him. It's something I somewhat take him seriously. Somewhat was making fun of him. But when you watch this video, you're really going to think about something in a different way. It is spring football. You know, he goes through and talks about, you know, not only the history of going back to – you know, alternative leagues to the NFL. He talks about the AFL, the W, you know, USFL and everything, the history of the XFL. But more importantly, why it is very important for spring football and this league now be called the UFL to succeed and how that can make, you know, our watching on Sundays better. So I, I want to take a couple of seconds. I want to kind of talk to you about this video. Like, why did you do it? What was your main thinking? And, uh, you know, what we hope to get from it. Cause I, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it was, you know, it's, it's about an hour. It, 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 it's not something you're just watching your phone and move on. You're going to watch it, but you'll really get a lot out of it. So what was the, what was the thinking behind uh, coming up with this video?
0: Wow. So my, my, my thing with spring football for years has always just been I, I don't particularly like baseball. Um, I really like football and that's, that's why doing the draft stuff was always easy for me because okay. I didn't care that baseball was going on. I would rather watch old college film of these players and I wanted to be the guy. This is going back years now. This is before I had a Twitter or maybe when I first had a Twitter and didn't really use it or something. I – I wanted to be the guy who was like, I did find that guy. I did think that he could do it and look at him doing it. I found that guy. And that sort of evolved. Where Now there's a spring football league. I can watch live games and just, you know, I didn't care. Team, whatever. Sure, root, whatever. Ro- rooting for whatever team, but really I'm just watching more players. Um, and as the USFL came in with a, a three-year deal where they were set in, they were going to play three seasons. They had the money for it. It was done. I was invested at that point for fun because now, it, now I know that I can like sort of get invested a little bit. There's going to be some holdover from year to year, and I and I think that's where, you know, that's when I started talking about spring football more because I was like, oh, this is cool. They have like money. This is a, this is a real league, and I think that's where most people started laughing at what I was doing, and, and that's fine. That's okay. That's fair. Um, But with the XFL, the revival of the XFL, the USFL was going on at the same time. It seemed at the time that – it always seemed obvious that these two leagues might merge because there's definitely not enough for two leagues to go on at the same time, right? So the idea for the leagues to merge always made sense. And when the merger was – the intent to merge was announced, I was genuinely – Excited because I was like, this was more legitimacy for a spring league. This was going to be a real thing that had more money behind it now and more brilliant minds. Like you took the best minds from both leagues and you're going to make them work together. So that w- when when I heard this, I, I was talking with some friends and I was just like, you know, I think this is really important. I think it's good that this league exists. You know, I, I'm seeing year after year with the USFL players get contracts to the NFL. We're seeing Cavante Turpin uh, win Special Teams Player of the Week. You know this is a this is a New Jersey General. Uh, you know the, the Cowboys don't give up. They moved on. They they grabbed former MLS star who was a one-year kicker in the USFL. He's now their actual kicker, and he makes like no money compared to other kickers in the league, and he's very very good. So from a depth standpoint, I've always felt that the spring leagues exist for a purpose. There are there is not enough time for all of the people to see all of the players. And there since 2011 I honestly think that the CBA change to bring practices to a screeching halt and limit two-a-days. And now all of a sudden there's only three preseason games. And we don't even play football in preseason anymore. It's a vanilla this and vanilla that. And don't get excited if this guy's good because they're not playing real football. This has led to bad tackling, endless injuries, no depth, a serious lack of offensive linemen just available. I mean literally developed offensive linemen, I think there aren't enough. There's not enough for 32 teams.
1: Justin Pugh is sitting on his couch and it shows but he's a name that they knew. They part of it.
0: Tom Brady said that the league looks mediocre. He doesn't see the excellence of the past. At the time, I thought that was sort of a self-serving compliment to himself. You know, right. I think he's right. I think that the excellence is gone because we don't practice as hard. And I know that these guys work very hard, but you have to get hit and you have to make tackles to learn to tackle and not get hurt doing it and make a complete tackle. I I think that the league has, had crumbling infrastructure underneath the surface for years. And this year, 2023, the year that the merger happened, um, is the most obvious year. It was so obvious that we needed this, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, here's my take on this whole thing. It's that the, the, the sooner the NFL realizes it needs a spring league and it needs a feeder development league, the better. Um, The analogy I'm going to use is the G League in basketball. You know, their focus is not to get ratings on TV. It's not to sell tickets. It's to develop players to go to the the NBA. The NBA does invest in it, but, you know, they don't put their games on ESPN. They don't put their – even their games really on NBA TV. It's there to be a product. If you want to go, it's a cheap – you can go – you go to Nassau Coliseum and see the Long Island Nets play and it's the family of four can go for 20 bucks but the the real purpose of it is to develop the talent and i think you know some of the points you make are if you know, if this league really sees itself as we are going to be that feeder system to the NFL and i honestly think at some point the NFL is going to invest in this league if they see it has viability if, if, one thing you didn't mention on the show and i know you didn't cover it at all during spring leagues was arena football. Now, arena football was, you know, it's a different sport, but the NFL actually invested in it for a few years, and some players from the from arena did go into the NFL too. Now, if the NFL is going to invest money in a kind of, you know, redheaded stepbrother of a league, maybe they'll they'll get that sense that you know there is a real value of players that aren't quite ready to be in the NFL, or just get them there, get experience, and play. Let them, you know, subsidize this league more. I think you really got something going, but I think this is a major step. I think you consolidate resources, money, players. You know, all right. TV fine. Get a foundation. Get a beast. Where we're not worrying about every week, not much less every year. Is this gone? I mean, is my team going to be here next week? Are they going to make payroll? Let's get to a point where everything is viable. Then I really think this was. I think when I tweeted out about, about the show, I said, if you want your Sundays in the fall to be better, we need Sundays in the spring to be good. And I think that's that's kind of really what this is. We need this to succeed to make the NFL better.
0: And and one of the things I tried to highlight is everybody thinks of the players and they immediately think of the bad football. And, and I'm not saying that every spring league game is good. I am saying that there are more good games than I think people give it credit for. Um, Having someone – being someone who actually has watched just about all of them, I can tell you that most of them are not bad. Um, but A, if you ignore this, your springs in the fall will look like springs – Sundays in the fall will look like Sundays in the spring if you ignore this. And, and B, it's not just the players. We sit here and talk about I, – I tried my best to make this a point in the video. The officials, man, we have – the NFL has lost – a huge amount of officials in the in the last couple of years and i think that we are the cowboys lions game was a travesty for everybody nobody wins nobody wins from what happened in that lions game and from what i understand this was a product of the officials made a legitimate mistake they had been calling the same player eligible all game they called the wrong number And even though the alignment, the play, everything was legal, because they called the wrong number and there's no mechanism for them to correct themselves, it was done. It was a done deal. And so now everyone loses.
1: You know something, Grump? Something like this, maybe not the exact same play, but something like this happens every single year. It's so frustrating. It costs teams playoff spots. It costs them playoff games.
0: Gambler's money.
1: Of course, yeah. Don't, don't underestimate that too um yeah i mean also coaches you know i think you brought up in the, in the video also that you know we need we need a place for coaches to learn their craft and you know experience nothing you think this show is bad now you should listen to this show five years ago when we started doing this we are getting slowly better at doing just giants because we have reps we do this every week twice a week we keep doing it and we're getting better at this same with officials you know if they only have so many games that they can participate in you know the pool is not going to get better collectively so this is another opportunity for getting better coaches better refs better everything so it's just you know it's it's time has come this league is too the NFL is too important there's too much money there's too much passion there's too much You know, advertising, TV ratings, gambling, that we want it to be better and we want it to be accurate, I guess, for lack of a better term. And this is just an easy way to help with that process.
0: I would even say it's a point of pride. Um, American football is a cultural phenomenon. I don't want to say phenomenon, but it's a cultural benchmark. It only exists here. This is we invented it. It's ours. We own this game and you look at the way Europeans look, have revere soccer and the way they treat it. We don't treat football correctly. We don't treat it with any sort of reverence. We we worship it for sure, but we don't nurture it. Um, and that's really so. For me, making an hour long video was daunting. I I didn't intend for that. I thought this would be a quick hitter, twenty minute. Let me talk about some things I think are important. <laughs> the more I worked on it, the more I realized giving context to everything was important, and the more I realized. I mean, and this might be internal once you like put something on the internet people are going to like that's it's rock solid it's in that format and people are going to rip apart your word choices so the more I worked on it the more I fine-tuned the script the next thing I knew it was a 58-minute long video uh, not what I intended um, but I'm I'm very happy with the way it, it turned out um, obviously if I had a production crew it would be even, even better uh, but but uh, it's a long video. It's a huge investment for anybody to watch. I Look, would never you're not, tell anyone you're not to. Martin
1: Scorsese, you're there to give a message, and the message is, is fantastic. And that's what I recommend everybody. It's just watch it, and you know, let us know what you think. You know, if you think, I think he's spot on. You know, this is a great debate topic, It's something that we can talk about whenever. So I, I think it's a great job.
0: Yeah, I I I, I ask only that people give it a shot. Um, if you skip over the the history of things, which is just to provide context, you might save yourself about 15 minutes out of the 58. I thought um, it was fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's important information for what I talk about later, so whatever. But yeah, I, I won't be offended if someone's like, an hour? I don't have an hour. I get it.
1: I mean, shit, this show is going for an hour. You're still listening to this. You can listen to that for an
0: hour. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Um, that I, I'll put the link to that below, but that's on the Football Grump channel. I, I've already pimped it on Twitter. I'm probably going to do it again. Um, I'll do the same, yes. Yeah, but uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Um, just wanted to promote that. Didn't want to make it a whole thing. Yeah. Um, But we will be back after the Eagles – sorry, previewing the Eagles game Friday morning for you guys, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course YouTube. So be sure to check there and then we will have our post-game thing on uh, Tuesday morning. We will have our year-end wrap-up with a special guest by probably Thursday morning. I'm going to double-check that with him, make sure he's good. And, then, and then, we to
1: one, then we go to one a weeks, right?
0: Then we go to one a weeks, and it's off season time. We're gonna probably talk playoffs and slight free agency playoffs. drafts. Eh, whatever, we're still gonna watch, right? Oh,
1: yeah, we got we got the uh, we got the college football uh, final coming up, which will be exciting. It'll be, there's a lot going on.
0: Yeah. So be sure to stay right here with us throughout the entire off season. We don't stop. Yep. So we'll see you all next week. Till then, go Giants. Go Giants.